The Denver Broncos are riding a hot five-game winning streak. What's been the big reason behind their recent success? We'll dive deep into that and much more in today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the reason for the Denver Broncos' recent string of success riding a five-game win streak? We'll dive deep into all that action here on today's brand-new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country, all the everydayers out there who make us your first listen of the day every single day. You can get this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So if you love the Denver Broncos, you want daily content, conversation, and more every single day, all year long, Subscribe or follow down below so you never miss out on any of the action. I'm Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports. Joined alongside, as always, by Sarah Bettinger, site expert, predominantly orange.com. Today's episode show is brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Sarah, my friend, look, there's the the momentum that we've, we're seeing here right now in Broncos country. The fan base is as excited as they've been since Super Bowl 50, which is crazy because if you would have said six, seven weeks ago at this juncture, Broncos country is excited about Broncos football. Darren's playing meaningful games here going into the month of December. We'd have been like, you're crazy. They've had a, a tremendous turnaround and there's been a process, right? It wasn't overnight, but there's been things that have clicked for them. There's things that have been working for them that have made the most sense. And I think one of the biggest things here, Sarah, I think that the offensive line has been very, very crucial for them in their current win streak on the offensive side of the ball. I think so, too, right? They've been protecting Russell Wilson. We've seen, especially against Cleveland, I mean, they really set the tone physically. They were kind of dominating in the trenches there a little bit. Now, it wasn't pure dominance throughout the entire course of the game, right? I mean, we saw Jeremiah Wusukoromoa shooting some gaps and making some plays. But for the most part, Cody, I think over the course of the season, we've seen the offensive line really start to gel. We've seen them work well uh, out in space. We've seen them work well between the tackles, we've seen Lloyd Cushenberry experience a resurgence. Garrett Bowles, uh, I mean, he's playing clean football and he's playing some yeah. really good football. I know Mike McGlinchey has had his issues with penalties, but for the most part, Cody, I would say that protection hasn't been a problem. Run blocking hasn't been a problem. The scheme has worked. The Broncos offensive line is on the same page. And you can't help but think that health has a lot to do with that, right? Because you don't always get this lucky to be able to see the primary five guys that you went into the year with still starting here approaching week 13. I mean, that's the that's the amazing feat, right? I mean, we talk about building consistency, having continuity on the offensive line. The Broncos have had the same starting offensive line group so far through 12 weeks of play since they've had in week one. Sarah, I want to take us back last year the disaster that was the nathaniel hackett led broncos that was the butch berry led broncos offensive line at this point a shout out to our friend andrew mason for putting this out there the broncos offensive line at week 12 of last season at this juncture last year they had their seventh different starting offensive lineup going on right there and we just talked about it last year as well like one of the bigger issues is denver just simply cannot be consistent on the offensive line because they have a new guy at tackle. They have a new guy at guard. They have a new guy at the other guard and the other tackle position. I mean, it was like a revolving door of different names and faces every single week. And unfortunately, it's like Denver scheme was bad as it was. And then you factor that in, it made it even worse. 
Denver has found consistency, continuity. Quinn Miners playing unbelievable football this season. One of the best offensive linemen, I think we can say right now in the National Football League, especially at the guard position. I think he's got a conversation to be one of the best guys right now in the league, and that's a huge compliment there. That's been a great sign for why they've had success. But now it's shifted a little bit to you know the defensive side of the ball. The Broncos' defense, something they struggled early on through the first five weeks of the season, Sarah, forcing takeaways. They only had one, I think, after, probably about week four, if I'm not mistaken. Week four was like their, they only had one takeaways. Kareem Jackson's interception in week one against the Raiders. Aside from that, they weren't generating takeaways, and they were having a really hard time. Get this, in the Broncos' last four games, they have forced at least three takeaways in their fourth straight game. We already know the astronomical number. What What is it? If I'm not mistaken, it's 15 or 16 total takeaways in the last four games in totality. They're on a heater right now. They're playing more aggressive. They're playing confident. And so when we talk about consistency, while the Broncos offensive line has been consistent, we look at defense, they've been consistent at generating takeaways. That has been the formula and the recipe for their success as well. And you love to see that, right? Because when you create takeaways, you create more opportunities for the offense, especially setting them up in great field position. It allows you to win the field position battle It'll at worst, right? Even when we saw the Broncos against the Browns not capitalize on, I think it was maybe one of the turnovers, you still, you able to pin the Browns deep in their own territory with a punt there. Not that you want to see that. You want to see touchdowns every time you generate a takeaway, but they did better at that. And as they continue to force turnovers in bulk like this, the, the thing about it is, is you wonder, is it sustainable? Like we talked about that after that Chiefs game where they forced five turnovers. And I said, like, you can't rely on five turnovers a week. Well, the Broncos are like, how about at least three? You know, <laughs> we can do that. And, and they have a variety of guys that can make that happen. And you almost felt as the game went along that it's going to be, you know, Nick Benito this time, or it's going to be Baron Browning this time, or when's Pat Sertan and Justin Simmons going to get a pick, or when's Jaquan McMillan going to get a pick? Like there's so many different guys on the defense that are making plays on the ball right now that you just have the utmost confidence that they are going to keep that going. So, I mean, it, it looks sustainable to me, Cody, at this point. And, I mean, Pat Sertan, he's due for an interception here soon, isn't he? So I'm looking forward to seeing how this does progress over the course of a season. And how does it change when maybe the Broncos do have a game where it's, you know, one or two turnovers forced as opposed to three, four, five. I mean, you want to believe that that can keep going. And I do. I think they have the guys that can keep it going. But it's been really impressive. And it's it's been borderline unprecedented as well. And it kind of got started there at the end of that Green Bay game, didn't it? Where P.J. Locke comes screaming across the field to pick off a Jordan Love pass. That really started the barrage of turnovers that we have seen from this Denver Broncos defense. So it's been exciting, and I think it is sustainable. But what about Russell Wilson on the other side of the ball, Cody? I mean, it, there's a lot of talk about him. I saw a stat on Good Morning Football on Monday Russell Wilson has 17 touchdowns and no interceptions in the red zone this season. I mean, that is bordering on, you know, hey, we talked about comeback player of the year. When are we going to start talking about Russell Wilson? Maybe in the, I don't know, the, this, <laughs> is MVP too hot of a take right now? No. I, I think he could be in the conversation here. And to that point, kind of backing up the, the GMB, GMFB statistic here. I mean, you mentioned it, 17 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Here's the thing, 34 completions out of 50 attempts. 17 of those 34 completions, touchdowns inside the red zone. Like, that's really damn good football. And a passer rating of 116.7. 
Russ's efficiency in playing clean football, protecting it for the most part, not throwing interceptions. I mean, Sarah, that has put the Broncos in a position to win games and they're scoring over 20 points in all of their victories that they've had. To me, I don't care if Russ throws for 134 yards. That stuff doesn't matter. Everyone's so enamored with, oh, it's got to be flashpoints. Like the Broncos are winning. Russ is playing clean, efficient football. They're scoring touchdowns. They're converting in the red zone, an area where it was almost like the Broncos were allergic to the red zone at some point early on this season. So for me, I'm excited about the progress. I think that's also another reason why the Broncos are having a ton of success. And look, there's a lot of catalysts for Broncos country. We want to know your thoughts. What has stood out to you the most in the Broncos five-game win streak and their turnaround there? What stood out as the biggest reasons for their success? Let us know if you're watching on YouTube or let us know on social media if you're listening wherever you get your podcast at Cody Work NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked on Broncos. But as always, we always like to take a peek around the AFC West, the AFC. We're going to take a gander at the state of the AFC West here on today's episode, Locked on Broncos. Today's Locked on Broncos is brought to you by the Game Time app. And folks, if you've ever had a frustrating ticket buying experience, we always like it's unfortunate you have to go through that. But the Game Time app really takes that pressure away. They alleviate any of those situations you've run into in the past because they have you covered. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events that are going on near you. And with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You get to see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. If you're going to be attending NRG Stadium this week to watch the Broncos take on the Texans, you get to see your vantage point inside the Game Time app. They have all-in prices which show you your total upfront, so you know that you're getting a great deal without any hidden fees. You can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps so take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Lockdown NFL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The Denver Broncos have created a little bit of separation in the AFC West, believe it or not, after week 12 with both the Raiders and the Chargers losing. We're going to break down the state of the AFC West and talk about maybe, I mean, is there a chance that the Broncos could creep up to first place at some point here? Maybe they can. We'll talk about it. But before we do want to say thank you and give a huge shout out to all of you everydayers out there. You everyday listeners know that we here at Locked On Broncos, Cody and I, we really appreciate every single one of you for listening free and available anywhere that you listen to podcasts as well as watching on YouTube for those of you that choose to do so there. And especially if you subscribe, if you comment, if you smash the like button, you know, as they love to say, Cody, for our favorite YouTube channels, I I. I can't tell you enough how much we appreciate it, how much it means to us that you choose to make us part of your day every single day. And we love rocking with every single one of you in Broncos country. And even those of you that join from other fan bases every now and again, we salute you as well. Cody, the AFC West. I mean, it was almost a perfect weekend for the Broncos again after what we saw in week 11, where everybody but Denver lost in the AFC West. Somebody else had to win in week 12, though. The Kansas City Chiefs took on the Las Vegas Raiders. But let's break this down, the state of the AFC West here now, because this is this is kind of a new segment for you and I, isn't it? We haven't been able to really talk or had the need to really care about the state of the AFC West at this point in the season, <laughs> as long as I've been on the podcast anyway. So 
The state of the AFC West, of course, it begins with the Kansas City Chiefs, where Andy Reid just became the winningest head coach in franchise history there. They're eight and three right now. It's it's kind of an interesting situation with Kansas City. They've they've got a tough finish to the season, and the Broncos are kind of lurking right behind. Yeah, I mean, they had that week one loss to the Detroit Lions. Their second loss came at the hands of the Denver Broncos. And then this past week, they were coming off a loss to the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. And there's a matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders who went through a wide variety of changes themselves. And obviously, a little bit of drama early on in this game as the Raiders, they went up 14 nothing over the Chiefs. But the one thing that we have seen with Kansas City year in and year out with Mahomes and those guys is that even a 14-point advantage for the opposing team doesn't make you feel comfortable Kansas City stormed right back and obviously they ran away with it they've been struggling to score points in the second half that wasn't an issue for them in Sunday's victory they beat the Raiders in comeback fashion and then run away with it in the second half on Sunday Kansas City right now at eight and three and with Denver's win here I mean Sarah the Broncos are still within two games of first place inside the AFC West like that is huge like we have not been able, as you've said, since you've been on the show, since I've been doing the show for the last seven years, never been able to say that about the Broncos and the conversation and the situations that they've been in. So to me, I think that was a little interesting to kind of follow off there. But it's also good at the same time, right? Kansas City taking on the Raiders. You need you know, someone to lose the game. And preferably the best case scenario for Denver was that the Raiders lose because they're still kind of close to the Broncos right now, despite the circumstances, despite the situation here. The Raiders loss on Sunday puts them at five and seven on the season. You can almost ensure maybe another loss or two might even eliminate them from the conversation. But we talk about Denver being within spitting distance of Kansas City. Here's the remaining games for KC, the Green Bay Packers, the Buffalo Bills. That might be a tough one. Who knows? New England Patriots, the Raiders again. Cincinnati Bengals and the Chargers. I mean, that's a very favorable schedule for Kansas City. So while Denver has to focus on themselves, Kansas City is in a really good position to still, even within two games of Denver being behind them, they're still in control of maybe winning the AFC West. So Denver's best bet at this point is to go on a run, get into the wild card, and then see what happens there. Uh, the Raiders, though, despite them losing, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. I still feel like they're tougher, they're a little bit more disciplined, and they're a little more dangerous under Antonio Pierce than they have been under Josh McDaniels. That, to me, I think is a little bit of a wild card. For them to jump up on Kansas City the way that they did, that was impressive. It definitely was. And I think a lot of people are wondering, like, what the heck has gotten into this Raiders team at that point? But, I mean, they, they've certainly been playing some inspired football since Josh McDaniels got fired, and you have to give them credit for that. I mean, they do have five wins. They, they are still in the hunt at this point. I just feel like I wish the Broncos weren't playing the Raiders in the last game of the year because at that point, it, they, they're either going to be playing for something or they're going to be playing with house money, at which point they're going to be trying to spoil whatever's going on for Denver. So you kind of wish that there was a, a more high-stakes game coming up here as opposed to at the very end of the season. But I agree with you, Cody. It's You can't sleep on the Raiders right now. I think a couple weeks ago, I viewed them as hey, I mean, this team is is a complete, you know, uh, I don't know, mirage or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Their record is a mirage. But I think that at this point, they've kind of proven, hey, they, they're willing to play tough. They're, they're going to come after no matter who they're playing. I mean, uh, all the cliches that you want to say about the Raiders, I mean, they've rallied around the interim head coach. And so it's, it's not, not something that you want to take lightly. So you got to kind of hope that over the remaining games that they have that they kind of stumble along the way and they're out of the mix by the time they play the Broncos at the end of the year. 
Minnesota, the Chargers, Kansas City again, the Colts, and then closing out the season against the Broncos. I mean, on paper, that's a pretty tough schedule. They're going into the bye week this week, so the Raiders have a chance to get Max Crosby healthy, who played with a knee injury yesterday. Let's talk about the Chargers here because they're uh, they're they're one of the most puzzling teams to me in the NFL. Right? They we we don't discount the fact they are extremely talented. They have talent across the board, but for some reason, they can't stop anybody defensively. They obviously didn't have Joey Bosa. They're coming off a loss on Sunday Night Football to the Baltimore Ravens, who are now at the top of the entire AFC right now. They dropped to four and seven here. And Denver's got a game coming up here in two weeks against the Chargers. Like for the Broncos, with their game that they have here against the Texans this week, a game against the Chargers, like Denver can absolutely supplant themselves as the second guy, second seed in the AFC, and potentially really solidify a wild card spot here in the next couple of weeks because these games are so crucial. So for me, I think the biggest thing we look at here with the Chargers, I'm curious for your thoughts on them, but also kind of pertaining to Denver, Denver's conference record right now in the AFC is three and four. They have a chance if they can win these next two games to go up to five and four, which gives them the advantage, gives them a tiebreaker situation and gives them a little more distance from some of the other teams in the playoff hunt. Yeah, that's exactly what they need to do, right? I mean, Obviously, that would mean winning seven straight games going into that Detroit matchup. And I think that's feasible at this point. I mean, obviously, now the Broncos have done the tough task of winning five straight games. Now you're still taking it one one game at a time. You can't view it as, well, they've got to win seven in a row. You've got to view it as, hey, we got to win this week. Got to win this week. If you can beat the Texans and the Chargers, Cody, that puts you in such a great position in terms of not only would you have a five and four record in the AFC, but you would also have head-to-head wins over some teams that you're kind of vying for positioning with, specifically maybe more so Houston at this point than than Los Angeles. But even going on the road to Los Angeles, though, I think that matchup favorite. The Broncos travel well to Los Angeles, don't they? You've been there for for games yeah. when the Broncos travel. So they they travel well to Los Angeles. It's a it's one of the worst home field advantages for any team. In the NFL, the Chargers are playing terribly. I think the Broncos are going to be catching them at a pretty good time, too, because, hey, the the writing is on the wall for Brandon Staley. And, like, it's going to get worse, I think, for the Chargers before it gets any better. So we'll see if they make a coaching decision in season. But hopefully it doesn't happen before they take on Denver, Cody, because we know how teams (laughs) rally around the interim head coach. Oh, man, I can't even imagine what that would be like there. But, you know, it could be a little bit of a revenge game as well for Joe Lombardi as he's making his return to L.A. after how everything went last season. I felt like it was a fall guy for Brandon Staley. But, uh, you know, we'll share those thoughts for uh, Chargers week when it comes up here in a little bit. But Broncos country, while we take a look at the state of the AFC West, we're going to shift gears to the bigger picture. What does the AFC look like from the top seeds one through seven in the playoff hunt? On the outside looking in, we'll dive deeper down today's episode. Locked on Broncos. Today's Lockdown Broncos is brought to you by our friends over there at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. And as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers to stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So if you put $5 this past week on the Broncos money line against the Browns, you woke up with $150 in bonus bets. You could do the same this week if you put $5 on the Denver Broncos money line against the Houston Texans. If they win, you'll get $150 in bonus bets all at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action than right now with the NFL season in full swing. All these big implications on top of that, the NHL season ongoing, the NBA season going on as well. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, 
and more. The Broncos are currently three-point road dogs heading into Sunday's matchup against the Houston Texans. How you feel about that, Broncos country? So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. As we jump into the fourth quarter action on today's episode, Locked On Broncos, we'll take a deep dive into the state of the AFC, the conference in general. A couple games separate the Broncos from even the top seeds right now in the NFL playoff picture. We'll dive deep into some of the matchups and what's going on around the AFC. Just want to say thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country, all the everydayers out there who make us your first listen of the day every single day. Just a reminder, you can get this podcast for free every single day wherever you get your podcasts or available on YouTube if you want to watch us on your phone your smart TV, or your computer. We have you covered. We appreciate you so much here. Sarah, let's open things up here. The AFC playoff picture heading into week 13 is very, very interesting. As we all know, the format in the NFL, top four seeds are division winners. There's record that goes into who gets the first seed. First seed obviously gets a bye. Second seed plays, obviously, the seventh seed, so on and so forth. Third plays the sixth. Fourth plays the fifth. It's going to be very interesting, especially with a lot of these teams that are in the playoff picture right now. They're going to be facing each other in the next couple of weeks, and that's including the Denver Broncos. So let's take a look at the seeds one through seven here. The Baltimore Ravens with their win on Sunday night football. They move up to number one right now in the AFC, really tied with Kansas City. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had a little bit of a sweated out win against the Houston Texans this past week. Obviously, the Texans had a field goal that would have tied it, maybe sent it to overtime. Boink, right off of the middle of the upright. Crazy, crazy situation there. And then you have the Miami Dolphins at the fourth seed. Obviously, for them playing impressive football, they just beat the Jets You know, on, on Black Friday there. Pittsburgh Steelers up and down. They have a really good defense. Offense isn't that great. And then, obviously, the Cleveland Browns, who the Broncos just beat. And then at that seventh seed right now, it's the Indianapolis Colts who beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the weekend. I think Pro Football Network just launched like a playoff predictor model too. So if you want to try that out, Broncos fans, make sure you go check it out and see, okay, hey, if you know this team wins, how does it impact where the Broncos are at? Go check it out, profootballnetwork.com. I mean, your thoughts so far on seeds one through seven right now. I think the AFC playoff picture, when you look at it in comparison to the NFC, the AFC is tougher by far. It definitely is. And I think there's some clarity with the division leaders right now. Obviously, Baltimore, Kansas City, even although we talk about the Broncos being just two games behind Jacksonville, Miami, there's clarity there behind there. It's like with Pittsburgh, you know, I I know I called the Broncos the Iowa Hawkeyes of the NFL, but I think Pittsburgh might be the more apt comparison there because they have virtually no offense and their defense keeps winning them games. Uh, So how long is that going to last? They're already seven and four. It just kind of feels like maybe the Steelers are inevitable at this point. The Cleveland Browns Broncos just got to win against them. They're battered. They are, they are injured at key positions. Are they going to be able to maintain They're seven and four? They've got a great defense, but how long can that defense carry this team? And with the Colts, it seems like they've gotten one favorable matchup after another Cody and they're six and five amidst it all with Gardner Minshew. He's got eight, passing touchdowns in seven starts this or seven. Yeah. Seven starts this season. So it's not like they're super impressive either. So the, the cream is slowly going to rise to the top. And I don't know that I necessarily fear anybody that's in one of those wildcard spots over Denver. Well, in the Colts right now, you look at their schedule, they have the Tennessee Titans, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Steelers, the Falcons, who are probably going to be their toughest matchup outside of the Houston Texans. And then the Raiders on New Year's Eve. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Colts structure and factor into everything since, you know, they've made some changes as well this season. Be very curious to see how that plays out. But then that opens things up as well. Okay, well, let's take a look at the teams that are really in the playoff hunt. 
Right now, it's the Houston Texans who were in the wild card this past week, and a loss kind of put them out, put the Colts up a little bit closer. The Broncos are right behind the Houston Texans, and now that makes this matchup on Sunday even bigger as Denver takes on Houston. And then you have the Buffalo Bills who are coming off of a loss, and one more loss might supplant their season. Buffalo's got a tough schedule coming up too, by the way. So they, the mighty have fallen a little bit there. And then Cincinnati, who's obviously without Joe Burrow for the season, they lost to the Steelers this past weekend. They're one game below 500. And so at this juncture, I mean, this could be the final four teams really in the playoff mix right now, depending on what happens. And then you have the guys on the outside that are looking in, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Tennessee Titans have moved up a little bit. The New York Jets have taken a step back, and the New England Patriots dead last. And Denver's obviously going to play the Patriots at one point this season. Right now, I think Denver's, as we talk about, I know it's cliche, we've said this for the last couple of weeks, but Denver is firmly in control of their destiny here in the playoff race. And I just can't help but think, Sarah, you ever go back to that week five game where Denver lost to the Jets? That was like the Jets Super Bowl. And, you know, everything was like Denver was at rock bottom. The Jets were riding this high. And all of a sudden from that point, it like flipped. The Jets are on a down, downward spiral and the Broncos on this upward trend. To me, that might have that's kind of like the Jacksonville game last year where Denver beat the Jaguars. And after that, the Jaguars went on a run. Kind of feels like the Broncos are in a similar situation here uh, coming out of that week five game. It is very similar. Obviously, there wasn't the emotionally charged thing from the Broncos side of it with the Jaguars <laughs> last year, but it's a similar situation, isn't it? To where like, hey, maybe the Jaguars realized, man, that was that was embarrassing. Like we just got beat to the guy who did high knees on the plane with Nathaniel Hackett. They're calling it a high school offense on the broadcast. I mean, it, it was bad for them. And I think for the Broncos, it was bad as well to lose to Nathaniel Hackett, to see him locked, you know, locked arms with Makai Becton and pumping his fist as he ran off the field in that game. It was the Jets Super Bowl. It was the game that I think they had circled as the most important. But man, I think every week that goes by, they're proving Sean Payton and his words as harsh as they were. They're proving him to be right, aren't they? They're 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 out there with the pomp and circumstance and they're on hard knocks and they're doing all that. Robert Sala now calling out players to the media left and right. Brees Hall even got called. Their only good player gets called out by the head coach. I think it's it's a mess. And, and really, the Jets are an example of exactly what can happen. Like the Broncos beating the Chiefs, we all thought, hey, that's their Super Bowl, right? If they don't win any other games this year, at least they beat the Chiefs. <laughs> but they've taken that momentum and they've ridden it you know, on this upward trajectory, whereas the Jets kind of let that win against the Broncos. They they popped the champagne and they they cracked open the cold ones and they were like the Raiders in the locker room, you know, smoking stogies. You know, it was a, a big deal for the Jets to win that game. And it just turned out to be the thing that took the wind out of their sails as opposed to propelling them forward. So it's it's great to see the Broncos stay focused. And I think it's a testament to how well coached they truly are. Now it's going to be a very tight race here. Obviously, the, the weeks are dwindling down here, Sarah. We only have a few weeks. Like, the Broncos only have two more home games. Christmas Eve against the Patriots, New Year's Eve against the Chargers. The rest, they got three straight road games coming up here, and then one more after that against the Raiders. Like, we're almost here at the end of the season, and the Broncos playing meaningful football and could very well be in the playoffs if they continue to do the things that are working and find ways to create new opportunities Denver is very much in control of their destiny. Broncos country, that'll wrap up today's episode. Lockdown Broncos here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast free and available everywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate you so much for rocking with us. Do us a favor. If you love the show. If you're not yet subscribed or followed, 
Make sure you do that so you never miss out on a day's worth of Broncos news, content coverage, analysis, and more. One thing we're going to look forward to if you're in every day or tomorrow's episode, Lockdown Broncos, we're going to recap Sean Payton's conference call with us on Monday. We're going to dive deep into Broncos offensive storylines ahead of the Houston Texans matchup, Broncos defensive storylines ahead of the matchup against the Texans on Sunday. You can expect all that and much more tomorrow's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos.